Welcome to Disarming Persuasion, the podcast for sales and business leadership professionals. My name is Dave Rosenberg, and I am the founder and principal at Locked On Leadership, a consulting firm with a mission to replace Thank God It's Friday with Thank God It's Monday. And I'm Ann Bonney, redhead impersonator and an expert in change management and leadership that people want to follow. Okay, Ann. What are we going to talk about today? Why don't we talk about how we deal with shit when it happens? <laughs> oh, shit. Um, no, you know, I thought we were planning on doing this, but my last two weeks just went to hell in a handbasket. So, yeah, stuff definitely happens. I know it's been happening to me lately. Well, and I know it's been happening to everyone and things are changing on a daily basis. This is a reality in business under normal, well, normal, (laughs) we've got a new normal under past circumstances, but also especially now under the circumstances that we're in business right now and being able to shift gears and I don't want to say the P word, but change the direction that you're going um, and communicate that appropriately and execute it appropriately and maintain integrity and is an important piece. Yeah, I mean, and there's really a couple of things to work up, to, to talk about here. But before we even do that, what was the P word you didn't want to say that I'm now going to make you say? Pivot. <laughs> uh, right? So you made me so, say it, Dave. I was. Yeah, I know. Pre- I, I saw that little stuff come up in the back of your throat, though. That you know. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, I get your abhorrence to that word because the reality is we've always had to. P um, and right. So we're talking about shit happens and ping. I mean, this is a caca show. If there ever is one potty episode, (laughs) we're just going to say number one and number two from now on. But, (laughs) but, but I mean, reality is there's never been a time in our life where we haven't had to, you know, um, change on a dime. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it just seems that right now it's accelerating, but I, I don't, I'm not even sure that's true. I don't know, but certainly things are really topsy turvy as you know, we're coming out of another P word, you know, a pandemic you um, said it's coming out of it. That's the part that I'm hoping for. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think, well, I mean, that's a whole nother conversation. I, I think it's, it's more of an acceptance of this is just, you know, my, my pet P phrase, I hate it, the new normal because mm. normal is a construct anyway. Right. There is no such thing as normal. It's an artificial construct that, you know, is some sort of, you know, nobody lives there. Right. We're all we're all around there, but nobody is actually there. It would be abnormal for somebody to be normal. You just blew my mind. And I just blew mine at the same time. I said that I'm like, wow, there's another one of those paradoxes that I, I know it's true because it's a paradox. Um, you just end up in the Mobius strip or Mobius loop of anyway. Yeah. It just never yeah. ends. It's an Escher well, painting. It just, where does it start? <laughs> you keep going upstairs to go down. I know it's crazy. How is that possible? So anyway, we just lost our last listener, but we're having a good, good time. There they go. Now we can swear all we want. <laughs> no kidding. At any rate, um, you know, the, the reality is switching, moving, changing. Is it? And, and there's, there's a couple of issues that we have to deal with when we talk about it, you know, one is just from our own sanity, right? How do we deal with it? How do we prioritize what we do, when we do it, how we do it? And then 
if we have a team we need to deal with, and I'm going to break this down actually three ways. It's two parts in the second way, really. You know, if we have a team, so we're in a leadership role, how do we deal with them in such a way that they don't see it as being um, a lack of integrity and authentic? Oh, you promised me this. You said this was going to happen, right? Those conversations, we don't, we, we don't demoralize the team. From a sales perspective, we don't send the wrong signal to our prospects that like we're flaking out on them. Mm-hmm. Right. All of those have detrimental, you know, if, if we don't hand, handle it well, um, you know, our, our emotional state, our energetic state will, will dwindle and that makes it difficult to persuade. And then if we don't deal with the other stakeholders involved, whether they're customers or, or prospects or, or clients or, or team members, then integrity becomes into question and that's, you know, a whole problem. So there's a big can of worms we've got here. We've got to handle in 30 minutes. Yeah, I know. We better get to it. Stop talking about potty things. You know, I think one of the first questions that people ask is, well, how do I know when it's the right time to pivot or to change my direction? And when is it time to stay the course? Well, you know, that's right. Not a whole nother can of worms because I wasn't even thinking about like exterior forces, like you're, you're moving you have a product line, you've launched it, you're trying to get it out or service or whatever it might be. And it's like not really getting traction, which speaks to your question. You know, when do I abandon that? And frankly, when, when I suggested this topic to you, what I was thinking about is just the last two weeks, you know, I had made a decision to change uh, um, uh, from PC to Mac. I had a functioning PC, but wasn't doing some of the things I needed to do easily. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to make the change. And there were reasons to, to, to go to the dark, what I perceived to be the dark side at the time. Um, being a lifelong PC user to finally go Mac. And, you know, it's been both great and a pain in the tail. And now I've it's forced me to pivot all of my um, plans because I have all this other work associated with the migration that has to get done because that never happens as quickly as you want it to, right? So it's sort of two different questions there. So let's tackle your first question, um, which is, I think you're, you're moving in a direction and how do I know it's time to change directions? Well, and I think that's a really important question to ask very early on when you're making that decision to change or to not change, because part of being able to lead, whether it's your clients or your teams through a big change, a transition, a pivot or whatever, to change the direction you were planning on going, part of it is the confidence and understanding of why we're doing this. And if you've just given up on something and are changing directions because you're freaking out, that's going to be a really hard thing to persuade the people that you need with you. You know, that's such a valid point, right? When we're talking about the initial change, forget about giving up. Let, let, let's let's well, back it up a step. But this is important. Let's back it up a step to starting, okay? And what, what's, what I just heard you say, and it's really, I think, like I said, critical. What's our reason for starting, right? That's, that's step one. Um, and then step two is, all right, I think I want to go this direction. Sometimes you go like, okay, we're, we have to be all in. There's no part way. There's no halfway. Other times you're like, I want to try this out. If you're in that, I want to try this out. What I recommend is before you start, set up what I call tripwires. Um, these are, are metrics that you could look at and say, at this point, I expect to see this. If I see, you know, something less than that, 
then we're going to abandon this project because, you know, we have sunk costs and we don't want them to get out of control Mm -hmm. because the deeper that sunk cost is, the harder it is to stop. Right. And by identifying those milestones or those tripwires, which I like that term, um, you are saying, okay, let's check in on this and see how it's going at an intelligent rate um, to be able to say, okay, this isn't working or it is working and we need to keep keep at it. And and what I've seen, the big gotchas and the reason you need to do that ahead of time is ahead of time, you're not emotionally attached to it, but you haven't put the blood, sweat and tears into the project yet. And you could say, all right, this is my go, no go, right? And like, you don't cross that go criteria, that tripwire, that milestone, that's we're going to keep going, right? And, and like there's typically there's a range. There's like, if we hit this, we know this is a home run. We're going to keep going. We're going to accelerate. That's not necessarily the same number to stop, right? There's usually that gray area, someplace in between where you go, okay, here's my number. If I don't hit this, we're at full stop. We're pulling the plug on this project. We know it's not working. Right. And I think the key is that gray area and considering that gray area between go and no go, because that's where the judgment comes in. That's where I look at all the factors that are influencing the success of this project and saying, okay, based on everything that's going on right now, even though we're on the lower end of that gray area, closer to the no go than the go, because of X, Y, and Z, we're going to keep persevering to that next tripwire. And, and the key is, and there is no, from my point of view, no checklist, no definitive answers. It's going to be different for every single time, uh, every, single, every single situation. But the key is to consider it and to take the time to say, at this point, we're going to look at this thing again. Absolutely. And this is the value of the go, no go tripwires, as I again like to call them, because if you've done that ahead of time, then you could look at that gray area and go, and, and typically there's more than one, right? You're, you're not, it's not a one checkpoint, one milestone, right? We have, we have several along the way. You hit that first one, and let's just say you just barely made it across the no-go, right? So we're in gray, but we're not below no-go. So we're going to keep going and go, okay, now it's time to evaluate what do we need to do to accelerate this? Maybe you see things accelerating just a little slower and you're like, we're going to stay the course. Maybe you make a small tweak at that point. And then at the next milestone, now you look at, are we better? Did we advance? Did we increase our our velocity through this project? Yes. Things are getting better. Maybe not as good as we want. Maybe we haven't crossed over to that definite go zone, but we've moved it away from that no go enough that we feel like this is moving in the right direction. That's part of that thought process. Totally. And considering what we've learned since we started this thing, what internally has changed, what externally has changed to help us understand how we're going to move forward. And frankly, from a persuasion perspective, that makes it so much easier for your team because you've discussed it ahead of time. They understand the thought process, right? They know it's not just some random act of like, I woke up in the middle of the night going, oh, this sucks. I'm stopping, pulling the plug, right? Mm -hmm. That there is some, and hopefully you had them involved uh, in in developing that matrix, that go, no, go matrix ahead of time. Yes. And as you're working through this, you're developing critical thinking for your team. And if you are way down in that low, near the no-go gray range, 
and your team's like, oh, there's no way we're going to do this. You have the opportunity to increase motivation by saying, we understand we're way lower than we were hoping to be. And let's talk through how we're going to get there so that people don't think you're not considering it. You're not thinking about it. Just go and make it happen. Um, And motivation can go down in a significant way if people don't feel like they're being successful or can be successful. So by having these conversations and communicating this, people understand if stay the course is the direction that you're going, why you're doing it, what the pieces are, and motivation is going to be a lot higher. Absolutely. And then, you know, you could, you elect to, uh, do I look at this from a solution perspective or a problem perspective? Mm-hmm. And it's a profound difference between the two, right? A solution perspective is of course, what does success look like? Like right? paint a picture of, of what, you know, perfection success looks like the problem approach. And there's no right nor wrong, right? It's not one is better. It's just a different approach. The problem is what's impeding us from the success. Right. And, and how do we, so one is about removing elements, the problems, the roadblocks. The other is about putting the elements in place, the solution that will make this more successful. And frequently it's a combination of the two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you have lots of people with lots of perspectives weighing in on this. You're going to end up with a clear picture of the decision you need to make and whether changing course, despite everything that you've got moving forward, is the right direction to go. Yeah. And, and the process itself is also important, not just for the achievement of whatever it is you're trying to do, because the end of the day, and, and we've said this before, everything happens perfectly. So whether you end up pulling the plug on the project or moving forward with the project, whichever way that works out is, is the right decision. And the process will help your team come together, trust you more, trust themselves more. Right. And so in the future, you will learn the right lessons from the success. I don't even say success or failure from moving forward or not moving forward from pulling the plug. Right. Cause it's not a failure. It's only a failure if you don't learn. Right. Right. And so once you decide to make that decision to pivot, to be flexible, to change the direction, you know, maybe you're involving your internal team, but now I need to communicate that externally. How are you doing that while maintaining integrity? Well, I think one of the keys there is people need to be involved early in the thought process. Listen, this is one, you're potentially leaving out, if you don't involve them, an invaluable source of of ideas, right? These these external stakeholders, whether the vendors who are depending on you for, you know, say, placing orders for the new project or potential customers, right? They've got life experiences that are different than ours. They've got perspectives that are different than ours. And, and, you know, I've said this before, there's no such thing as thinking outside the box because the box is our experience. Thinking outside the box is really just bringing somebody else's box into yours. When I say Mm -hmm. ask you for your advice, and then we synthesize that together, right? So the more people you get involved early on, the better your chance of success and when it, it, if it should come to the time to pull the plug or pivot or change or, you know, pee or do a number one or whatever we're calling it, <laughs> you know, people aren't going to think you're just pissing all over them. Do you like the way I tied that together? I like the way you did that. Uh, nice job, Dave. Thank you. Um, sorry, my shoulder just went out patting myself on the back there. Um, <laughs> but right, the, the earlier they're involved, 
the more open they're going to be to receiving it because they will see how hard you worked before you made that decision. Well, and, and also understanding not only their perspectives and their experiences, but their needs and the challenges they see so that you can mitigate the impact of those challenges. Right. Get them involved. Yep. And, and they, even if it works out in the worst possible way for them that they, you know, from a, a objective perspective, from a personal perspective, they will appreciate everything you did to try and avoid that. And, and the price won't be nearly as steep as you fear. Yeah. Now, the caveat that I have to that is that as the leader of a project like this, when we go in to get different perspectives, we still need to go in with a level of confidence in not only the decision that needs to be made, but collaboration and how you're going to make that decision. Because if they feel like you're walking in mamby-pamby and not understanding how you're going to make the decision, um, they're, you're going to lose a little bit of that trust and that, that motivation from them. Um, but if you walk in understanding, and it may be, let's take a vote and it'll be completely democratic. It may be, I want all your perspectives and I'm going to make the decision. Whichever end of the spectrum you're on, leading in the way you're going to lead with confidence is important here. Well, absolutely. It's funny. I always talk about, um, not always, but I frequently talk about, you know, Star Trek and Jean-Luc Picard, and he's like on, on the bridge of the Enterprise. And the, at first blush, you look at him when he does that, and and it's almost like, you know, um, I'm going to make all the decisions, and, and it's all on me, and he is the captain, and the box stops there. And at the same time, he is always seeking options from his bridge crew, right? But he just, everything he does, he does. I know he's a fictitious character, but he, I think he's a great role model from this perspective. He does from that position of confidence. Even when he's asking for advice, he's doing it from the position of confidence. Exactly. And confidence doesn't mean I'm running the whole thing and I'm dominating it. It just means I'm comfortable with the way, I've done, with the way I'm doing this. I'm walking through it knowing that we're going to be successful. Um, and, and I know how I want to make this decision and how I want to lead this. Yeah. And that's tough. Um, that's really hard to, it, it, yeah, go ahead. No, it's, it's funny. It, it, from my perspective, and this is the way I, I, I coach my leadership clients, I've always believed, and I, you know, it, it's an absolute democracy. And as the leader, you have 51% of the vote. <laughs> right. And, and, and so the, the follow-on to that, of course, is, and you vote last. Sometimes you never actually cast your vote, right? And this goes to you, you're like, we're going we're gonna to take a vote and the vote's going to be it. There have been times where I've been okay with that, where I look at all the possible results. I'm like, I don't know what the right answer is. My guess is as good as the team's. So I'm going to throw this to the team and that's fine, right? So I'm, I'm just going to abstain from voting and it's going to be your vote. But they also always knew that if, if need be, I would hear them out. And if need be, I would cast my vote. And if it's different than theirs, you know, they at least were heard out. Right. I think having that understanding, right. And, and accepting that responsibility, because mm -hmm. that's the second, that's the second piece to this. And, and I mean, you know, me, you've known me for a while now. I've never once made a decision where if the consequences were negative, I wasn't going to go like, Oh, well, I accept that. Right. Mm -hmm. just, that's just the way it is. And, and I'm willing, I'll take the hit. You have to be willing to take that hit. 
Right. As the leader, that's definitely the case. And that's one of the hard things because you're taking a big risk and you're putting yourself out there. And the other piece of this backing up just a tiny bit, as we're getting all of everybody's perspective and having the conversation, even if we end up with using our 51% vote, it really requires slowing down, shutting up and listening so that we can take the time so that, like you said a second ago, people feel heard. Then when we need to execute our vote because we are aware of larger pictures and other pieces, then they're going to trust us because they do feel like we did hear them out. But that's one of the hardest parts as a leader to shut up and slow down and listen to everybody else's perspective and challenges. You know, it's funny you say that. And I invite anybody who's listening and, and, you know, I wasn't a Navy SEAL. I wasn't involved in those sort of situations. You know, we did intercepts at high speed and we still had minutes to decide, which, you know, of course it was minutes and hundreds of miles. Right. But it's, so it's all relative, but I've heard these guys who've been in firefights. So we're talking bullets are flying. Right. And Right. And, and while they're flying and they're trying to figure out what their tactical situation is and what their response, tactical response is, what they talk about over is slow down, mm-hmm. slow down, mm-hmm. slow down. Mm-hmm. Right? Don't rush in. Take a second. Look around. See what's going on. They'll talk to each other. Right. It's never just the, the t- team commander saying it may be. I shouldn't say it's never. But frequently it's options. What do you got? What do you think? What do you think? Yep. Boom. Okay. And everyone is slowing down, looking around, and then, you know, then when they act, they act with um, certainty. Mm-hmm. If they well, could do that in combat, we could do that in business. Right. And that's the key is what are our options? Because it's not what do we do? It's how do we, how could we solve this? How could we solve this brings up lots of different ideas and options. What do we do? Says do this, boom. You know, so it's what are the options? And really listening to your team. Right. And again, this goes back, are you problem oriented or solution oriented? And again, that's, that's not, it sounds like a judgment. It's not, there's a time for both of those. If you know what the solution looks like and you could, then you can develop options to create that solution. If you know what the problem is, then you can develop options to eliminate that problem. Mm Mm-hmm. So once that decision is made, what are your thoughts on the right way to communicate it out? Because oftentimes that's where leaders can fall short too. Well, I mean, there's the ideal. And, and so what I'm about to say, right, there's no, there's no absolute. And if, as a leader, you've developed enough trust. If there's things that have to happen immediately and you have that trust, and I can say, listen, guys, I can't explain this right now. Here's what I need you to do make this happen because it has to happen like instantaneously. And I don't have time for explanations. Hopefully you have that trust bank is filled enough. Yeah. That, that leadership can... foundation. Yeah. yeah. Having said that, ideally you get to lay out, you know, we're in the military called commander's objectives. Here's why we're trying to do this. This is the plan we've come up with. It's the best plan we have. Here's how we expect from you. This is what your goals look like. And that's really important. Here's what your objective is, because sometimes the guy on the ground who's actually doing the work uncovers something. And they're like, if I just do it exactly as I was told, we're not going to achieve this goal. Mm-hmm. So and, and give your team the ability to modify and communicate back to you what that modification is so that everybody else is aware of what's going on. Right. You have to have that flexibility. 
Well, and we've talked about it so many times on this show, the importance of trust, building that trust. I trust you're giving me the information I need. I trust that this decision, even though it wasn't my idea, is the best decision in the moment. I trust you that I can make this decision outside of the exact plan that we had because it gets us where we need to go, right? I trust you're going to give me all the information when I need it. This trust is so important. And part of that is giving people the whole picture and telling them the why, telling them what success looks like, telling them what the plan we have so far and where those tripwires are. So people know what the process they're stepping forward into is. Right. And so this also leads us back, you know, as most things do, how we model things as leaders. So I mentioned a minute ago, you know, I've always been willing to accept the consequences of my action. As leaders, we need to do that. As leaders, we also expect our team members to do that. So if, if for example, I'm one of your team members, you've given me a specific assignment, halfway through it, I'm like, I got to modify and adopt this because of some situation that, you know, was unforeseen and it goes awry. I need to be, be in a position to go like, yeah, I, I did this. I accepted that. And then as a leader, we need to be able to look at that and go, okay, but you made the best decision you could given the circumstances. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes it's like, you know what, this is a repeat bad decision. And then we have to evaluate that as well. Right. Exactly. And that's the key as a leader is for people who are actors in this pivot that we're talking about doing, making sure that we're continuing to have these conversations. And that's a little bit more place where that slowdown and that patience is required. Yeah. I mean, never act in haste. If you can, even if you have to act quickly, don't act in haste. I guess that's. Yep. And I think. Helping people understand what the plan is, is really important because anytime what we're talking about here is helping people deal with change, (laughs) which is what I speak on in general. Like how do we guide people through the change of the plan? And I think helping, like giving people what the plan is, at least as much as we can see it is also really helpful. Yeah. And what, from my perspective was interesting, and I've said this before, and you know, to me, if the world was full of really good leaders, we would have no change management specialists. We wouldn't need them. Right. Leader is change management. Those mm-hmm. are synonymous terms. The problem occurs at the speed of change, right? And so, you know, the uh, and how tight the tolerances are for error. So I, I use the Blue Angels all the time as an example of this. People look at the Blue Angels and they go, oh my God, those are some phenomenal pilots. And they are folks, right? But nothing they do during that show Literally nothing they do during that show is anything that a, any pilot in the fleet doesn't do on a regular basis. The difference is how close they are when they're doing it, how, how much tolerance of error they have. So leaders in a, every day, right? That's what leaders do. They orchestrate change. Otherwise, Right, you're just going along, nothing improves. Change improvement is change, right? And that's what we just get us to the next step, get us growing. That's change. But when it has to happen fast, has to happen quickly, you know. Um, McDonald's a few years ago, probably five, seven, maybe even 10 years ago now, time flies so fast, right? They decided they needed to change their entire image, right? From the Ronald McDonald clown we appeal to children to a more adult 
you know, da, 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 you know, whatever it is now. You, you think about the whole Mick Cafe. Yeah. Right. The, right. Yep. Which is the beginning of that. Because, you know, at the time, you know, when, when the Ronald McDonald boomers, you know, children, that was it. That was the kids drove parents to, well, the parents did the driving, but because of the kids to McDonald's, all of a sudden those kids grew up and there were very, there were fewer kids, more boomers who as my, I'm the last of the boomers and I'm 60, you know, so appealing to adults became much more important. And they had to make that pivot. How hard was that to give up Ronald McDonald and the rest of that? Right. So that's leadership. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's understanding what do I need to do now? Not hanging on to what worked before, whether it was last week, last month, last year, 10 years ago, whatever, letting go of that stuff because of where we are right now. Right. And my, my point here is so McDonald's had a long time to make that change and, and it, it took them a while to do it. And they, they did it successfully. Then you look at like Netflix and Blockbuster. Right, which some of our listeners probably go, who's Blockbuster? They know who Netflix is. Netflix is that streaming company, except for they weren't. Right. Netflix, right? The, you went and rented tapes. Yes, it was actual tape, folks, like uh, video, uh, beta or um, uh, VHS, right? Those were the two types. And you went to the store and you looked through shelves and you they had like five copies of the movie and hopefully they had movies left that you wanted and then you rented them and returned them and you had to be kind and rewind and all that stuff. And fairly early on in, 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 as, as uh, bandwidth became more available, Blockbuster or, or, or Netflix went, yeah, we're giving up the tape business. Uh, they actually went Redbox, right. Became their, uh, you know, which also still exists because they did a pretty good job. I, don't, I don't think they still exist, but, and they went streaming and I remember going, who's going to sit in front of their computers and watch movies. Little did I know, you know. <laughs> right. I didn't know Redbox was Netflix. Yeah, that was it. They spun off Redbox. You know, I think it was about the time when DVDs first started coming out. They decided, I can't remember exactly. And I believe Redbox was, you know, their physical movie um, branch. And, and Netflix yep. maintained their, their brand for streaming. And we know what they are today. Huge. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and it is, it's, it's abandoning and, and we fall in love with what used to work. And as leaders, it's really important to be able to, as, as our coach Michelle says, to put it on the altar, to say, you know what, this may not be relevant anymore. And again, being able to communicate why that is, how you're going to manage through the change. And, you know, one of the things as you talk about switching over from Mac to PC or PC to Mac and the time it's taken you from a time management perspective, I always tell leaders, you know, sometimes, especially in these times of extreme change, we need to plan only about 70% of our day because 30% is probably going to get eaten up with things we weren't expecting, things we're learning, things that take longer than we can, or the patience to have those conversations. It's funny you say that. Uh, I can't remember. It might've been, um, oh, who was it who wrote the ultimate sales machine? Uh, Chet Holmes might've been in the ultimate sales machine. A great book, a great business book. And it's, it's not about how to sell. It's about how to set up your company to be successful in sales. And I, I believe and I could be misquoting. So folks, let me know if I am right. Cause we love to hear from you. And I'll correct myself if it's if it come out, but you know, the, the, as a leader, one of the things when you have, you're in a company, unlike, you know, where you and I are solopreneurs now, you know, we have remote teams, but it's not quite the same is that knock on a door. You got a minute, right. And you've planned out your day. 
And then all of a sudden it goes, I mean, one simple knock on the door, you got a minute and you say yes. And they just pulled the pin on the grenade and threw it in your, your time management lap, right? Because it's not a minute. Right. And it opens up a ton of other can of worms. And all of a sudden you find yourself being reactive instead of proactive. So how do you avoid that? And, and the advice was, and I love this. So first of all, you never, you, you said it, you never book your time back to back to back because there's no flexibility, right? You need that expansion joint, like the crack in the cement so that it can shrink and shrink and grow. But one of the things you should put in, like uh, maybe a half hour before lunch and a half hour in the middle of the afternoon is a got a minute time. And so mm-hmm. you put on your door a sign-up sheet because almost nothing requires immediate attention. And, and it's just... You know, 15-minute blocks, people put their name down for their got a minutes, right? And then on those times, they come in and they go, okay, here's what's going on. Here's where I need advice, guidance, whatever it is. That's typically what it is. You spew your advice and guidance out, and the next one comes in, and they're not interrupting your day. Yep. That's a great tactic to keep that time available. And that keeps people from barging in if they know there's a way that they can get easily on your calendar without getting officially on your calendar. You have that hour out there. They can say, oh, okay, cool. I'll come back at four, put my name on the list. Exactly. And you know what, by the way, happens when, when you do that, they figure the shit out for themselves. They what? They figure the stuff out for themselves. (laughs) Yes. Well, and this is something you have to do as a leader too, is not just always answering the questions, having the conversation saying, what do you think is a good solution? Oh, that's actually good. I wouldn't have thought of that. And oftentimes they start to learn to think for themselves, which is very, very valuable. Well, I had a rule um, that I had to implement when I was at um, Phone Systems Plus. So I had a sales guy who was new to the industry. Put them through, I, I created formal training like I preach all the time, put him through the training. He passed the training. He came and bird dogged me during my sales calls so he could hear and see what I was doing. And then he's off on his own and he'd come to me and he'd ask a question that I know we covered in training. And, you know, I said, okay, he didn't remember. I refresh him. And then I'd refresh him again. And about the third or fourth time, I'm like, Ed, what do you think the answer is? And he would stumble something out. And I said, listen, here's the rule. You come to me with a question. You come to me with an answer. Doesn't have to be the right answer. Just come to me with an answer. And he didn't at first. And I'd say, what's the answer? He goes, well, I don't know. I said, well, go figure out, do your best research, figure out what you think the answer is, then come to me. Mm -hmm. And I never answered his question without him having an answer. Yeah. And again, it's building that ability for people to think for themselves, the courage to think for themselves and the knowledge that you want them to. Um, and, and that, that, that you're always going to be asking that question. And it also says, Hey, I value you in the brain that you have. And that can really build people up and raise the bar of what you get back. It, it does all of that. And understand that people will follow the path of least resistance. And if the least resistance is you telling them the answer instead of them finding the answer, guess what folks. Right. Right. If you are getting taken, if a lot of times being taken up, easy for me to say, by people coming and asking you questions and you just answering them, that's on you. Yeah. Tell people, come with a solution. Yeah, it's like everything else in life. You need to have boundaries. Yes. And that's really all we're talking about. And you know, one of the boundaries we have for this show is that it's 30 minutes long and I think we've hit it. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Um, you know, maybe next time we'll talk more about 
how do you deal with grenades? How do you deal with uh, personal time management so that you can stay focused and stay? Because um, because the challenge, and I'll just throw this out there as a as a teaser for the next show is right, if if you don't follow through with what you said you were going to do, then your team is going to stop trusting you. But sometimes sometimes things are OBE. And if you don't know what OBE is, tune into the next show and I'll explain it. I look forward to the next show, Dave. Till the next one. <laughs> that concludes another episode of Disarming Persuasion. This is Dave Rosenberg, and you can find my website at lockedonleadership.com. And this is Ann Bonnie at yourchangespeaker.com. Remember, if they fail to make a decision, you failed to disarm them. Yeah.